Listener Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of Half Science Explained. Today you've got me, Jacinta Bowler, a science journalist with Cosmos magazine. Each week, twice a week, we answer life's questions, big or small. And today, we're looking at bees. Arguably, bees are the insects that humans are most indebted to. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have access to almonds, avocados, allspice, apples, and that's just the A's, and not even all of them. But today, we're not talking about bees' incredible pollination abilities. Instead, we're looking at how these little insects with only 600,000 neurons, that's compared to our 86 billion, keep surprising us with their intellect. Whether that's telling time, doing maths, or surviving scientists' wind tunnels, bees are abuzz with fascinating stories. The first experiment we're looking into today began over 100 years ago. A researcher noticed that bees visited his breakfast table every day at the same time to dive bomb his sugary breakfast. This is a pretty impressive feat normally. Without a watch or some other timepiece, I don't think that I, a human, could show up at a location at the same time every day. I barely show up to work on time as it is. But there are deeper questions here too. For instance, how can you be sure that something has memory of time or a biological clock and isn't responding to a particular cue that happens at the same time of day? In my case, it would be my alarm, but for bees, it could just be the sun rising or a certain flower opening. In the 1920s, a curious German chronobiologist called Ingeborg Belling decided to work out why this was happening, and she began testing how far this memory of time in bees went. A paper published in the Journal of Comparative Physiology detailed how Belling taught bees to show up to a feeding dish filled with sugar water at certain times of the day. Even when the dish was empty all the time, the bees showed up every day at the time she'd trained them for. They even showed up a little early in anticipation of the sugary treat. The bees could be trained to come to the dish multiple times in a 24-hour period, but they didn't seem to be able to be trained in a 19- or 48-hour period. Excitingly, this still worked even when the bees didn't have access to environmental cues, like differences in light, temperature, or humidity. Belling and another German researcher, Oscar Wall, tested this by putting the bees in a room of constant light with consistent temperature and humidity. The bees weren't confused, still showing up for their reward at the right time. A few years later, in 1932, Wall trained and tested bees in a salt mine 180 metres below the surface of the Earth to eliminate the possibility of cosmic radiation, just in case that was the source of the time memory. Spoiler, it wasn't. But wait, there's more. In the 1960s, another German researcher called Max Renner took a bunch of bees on a plane to test if they got jet lag. Renner wondered if, rather than an internal clock, the bees were using the gravity of the sun or moon or something else caused by the rotation of the Earth. First, Renner trained the bees to visit the sugar water at 8.15 every evening in France. Then... Renner took the bees on a plane with him, 
flying from Paris to New York to try to solve this conundrum once and for all. Unfortunately, the details of how he did this remain a mystery, to me at least. But Renner's paper explains it was constantly lit to avoid light being a factor. I like to think that he had the bees on his lap, squeezed into economy class, but that's purely speculation. When he landed, it did actually answer the conundrum. The bees got jet lag, and they exited the hive promptly at 3.15pm New York time, 24 hours after their last meal, rather than in the New York morning. After retraining them to 8.15pm New York time, Renner and his buzzing baggage made the return trip, where again the bees got jet lag and came out for their sugar water 24 hours after the last meal. How cool, right? This shows that bees have time sense, that they can tell what time it is without any external cues. This is just the start of a hundred-year-long history of research on bees, and each time it seems more and more impressive. Like recently, scientists discovered that bees can add and subtract. Back in 2019, researchers at RMIT here in Australia found that bees weren't mathletes, but when adding and subtracting, they were able to do better than guessing, getting the answer right up to 72% of the time. In previous Australian research, bees had to count landmarks as they flew past. This allowed them to find the location of a treat and showed that bees could count up to four. In this case, the team wanted to see if bees could also add or subtract. They set up a little testing container for the bees, with a hole at the front for them to fly into, a middle math problem chamber, and then a left or right chamber that had either sugar water or a bitter-tasting quinine. The experiment set up a question-and-answer situation, with problems in blue meaning add one and yellow meaning subtract one. At the beginning of the experiment, the bees made random choices, but over a hundred learning trials, they learnt that blue meant plus one, while yellow meant minus one. The researchers then used the rules on different numbers, for example, getting them to subtract one from three or add one to four. The fact that bees can do this is really exciting because it means that bees can comprehend the value of numerical attributes and that they can then mentally manipulate those numerical attributes. The researchers in their paper concluded that because honeybees and humans are evolutionarily separated by a whopping 400 million years, our ability to do maths might be less special than we thought. Alternatively, bees could just be extraordinarily cool. The last experiment we're going to talk about today is not so much about bees' tiny yet incredible minds, but their tiny yet incredible bodies. The bees' knees, if you will. Aerospace engineers took bumblebees, loaded them up with either nectar or pollen, and then chucked them into a wind tunnel to test what happened. Okay, okay, it wasn't quite that intense. But consider this. Bumblebee foragers might end up with more than half of their body weight covered in pollen or nectar as they bring their bounty back to the hive. They carry pollen on their legs and nectar on their abdomen. Due to flight dynamics, this means that the way that they fly will be different. So, 
The team tested 14 bees on their ability to fly towards a flower that robotically moved back and forth in a wind tunnel while covered in either pollen or nectar. They put markers on the bees and used high-speed video to record their speed, acceleration and orientation with each load. They found that when a bee had pollen on its legs, it was more stable but less manoeuvrable, kind of like a tightrope walker. But when a bee was nectar-laden, it could better manoeuvre itself onto the robotic flower if it was steadily moving back and forth. When the robotic flower was moving unsteadily in random directions, though, neither pollen nor nectar had the advantage. The bees struggled to land either way. So there you go. That's the buzz on why bees are so fascinating and why scientists keep investigating them. For the latest in science news, don't forget to check out The Science Briefing, also available here on the Listener app. And head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next time for another half